You're listening to another life-transforming message from our campus pastor, Vince Craig. For more information on our church, go to c3saltlakecity.com. Give it up for Jesus. Give it up for Jesus, my goodness. Oh, wow. Can we give it up for our band? Oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. Thank you guys so much. Wow, y'all look good this morning. I'm seeing some, some faces that I haven't seen in a while, which is fun. I'm seeing new faces. And uh, man, it's good to be in church. Can I tell you, I am so incredibly, like, I'm so blessed. I am so blessed because here's the thing. Uh, I'm the campus pastor at the best church in the valley. A part of the best Christian movement on the planet with the best senior pastors in the world. I'm telling you right now, church, I promise you, you look back years later, you'll look back on July 7th and you'll go, wow, remember that day that God changed everything? Because I'm telling you right now, everything can change in a moment. It can just it can change. And what God is going to do in this church, what God is doing in this valley, I am blessed. We are blessed to be a part of it. And it's not just our church. There are churches all across this valley who are lifting up and proclaiming the name of Jesus. And we are a part of it. And I am proud to say I look across the valley and I just see. I see that this city is going to be known as a city for what God can do. For what God can do that in, in the Bible Belt, in Texas, and Alabama, and in other places, they're going to go, did you hear about what God is doing in Salt Lake City? Because things are shaken up. You know, they talk about the fault line and how we're going to have an earthquake. I'm telling you right now, there's a spiritual earthquake happening right now as our city is being awakened to the Holy Spirit and being awakened to what God's word really says. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Whew. It's good. This morning, uh, we're going to talk about religion. We're going to talk about religion. We're in our religion rehab series, and uh, the title of my message this morning is The Religion Trap. The Religion Trap. Look at that. Give it up for Danny Jackman, my man. Danny. Where are you, Danny? Stand up. Oh, there he is. The cool thing about Danny, the cool thing about Danny is um, Danny was, was a part of my youth group. Um, back in the day, I, I went to his graduation. Uh, I watched him uh, grow and develop, and uh, we went through all sorts of difficulty and challenge. Uh, but uh, the thing I love about Danny is that he's a man after God's heart, um, and he's willing to grow and be shaped. And, uh, and Danny, I'm so proud of you, man. Um, give it up for Danny. Come on. He's got good parents. Neil and Paulette, you guys are awesome. You raise kids well. Here they are serving the house of God. And uh, all right. Anyways, it's good. It's good. It's good. Religion, the religion trap. Ooh. The religion trap. You, you don't often hear about religion like, like I'm going to talk about it this morning. You see, most of the time we talk about religion and, and we're talking about an organization. We're talking about a, a group. Let me, just, let me just kind of set the stage here this morning. Religion is not an organization. Religion is not a group. It's not a person. It's not a book. It's not, religion is, is none of those things. Religion is a spirit and it's a spirit from the very pit of hell. And, the, and it's tricky. That's the thing about religion is it is a tricky little devil. Because I think that just when you think that you are free from religion, you realize that you're actually right in the middle of it. You see, it doesn't matter. religion does not care what church you go to. You know, all of us non-denominational, you know, oh, we, we go to a non-denominational church because we're not religious. Let me tell you something. <laughs> religion will be in this church. It, ha it is. And what we got to do is we got to expose it and so that we can get it out because what religion will do is it will trap you, it will paralyze you, you will be stuck, there will be a ceiling over your life, and what I want to do this morning is break that off. We're going to break that off, because if we're going to live truly free, then we, because, because what the Bible says is who the sun sets free is free indeed, and that's what we stand on, that's what we believe in, but the religion would like to trap you, and so we're not going to let that happen this morning, religion is tricky. You see, you know, a lot of people, especially in our valley, will say things like, oh, no, I don't like organized religion. 
I'm not religious, I'm just spiritual. Listen, religion is a spirit, and so you can't get away from it just because you call it, just because you say that you're not religious, it still can exist in you. I think that there are people that are trapped in religion that need to get broken off and that needs to get freed up. In, and, and, and that's what's going to happen here this morning is people are going to get free from the trap of religion. See, religion, see, people can be, it be, can, be, can be stuck in religion and it doesn't matter what faith they call themselves. You know, even atheists, I believe, can be stuck in the religious trap. All right. So. Open your Bibles this morning to 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 16, 1 Samuel chapter 16. Uh, This is uh, one of my favorite stories in all the Bible. I think it's powerful, it's exciting, and uh, and I think oftentimes it's it's overlooked. 1 Samuel chapter 16, what's happening is uh, is there's a there's a prophet named Samuel and Samuel is going. God tells Samuel, "Hey, go to this guy Jesse's house in Bethlehem, and uh, and I'm gonna anoint a new king because because you know the old king is is crazy town and it's not working anymore. I knew, I knew it wouldn't work, but I got another guy and he's my guy, so go get him. All right, that's my version of the story." So Samuel's like, "All right, cool." So he goes uh, to Jesse's house in Bethlehem. And, uh, and, and this is where we're going to pick up in verse 4. It says, So Samuel did as the Lord instructed. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town came trembling to meet him. What's wrong, they asked. Do you come in peace? Yes, Samuel said. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Purify yourself and come with me to the sacrifice. Then Samuel performed the purification rite for Jesse and his sons and invited them into the sacrifice too. When they, when they arrived, Samuel took one look at Elab and thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way that you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse told his son, uh, told his son Abinadab to step forward and walk in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, this is not the one the Lord has chosen. Next, Jesse summoned Shimna. But, but Samuel said, neither is this the one the Lord has chosen. In the same way, all seven of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. Can we all just say, awkward. Right? Samuel's like, ah, is there anybody else? Because I'm pretty sure, God, did I miss the, you ever been in that moment where you're like, I'm pretty sure you told me to do that, but where, where are you at now? (laughs) All right. Then Samuel said, are these all the sons you have? They're still the youngest, Jesse said. Uh, Jesse sent for him. He was dark and handsome. Sorry, let me, I, I skipped a verse. <laughs> there, is still, there is still the youngest, Jesse replied, but he's out in the field watching the sheeps and the goat. Send for him at once. Samuel said, we will not sit down and eat until he arrives. So Jesse sent for him. He was dark and handsome. Yes. He was like a Ben Thomas. <laughs> and the Lord said, this is the one. Anoint him. So as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of oil that he had brought and anointed David with the oil. Then the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. Then Samuel returned to Ramel. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much. God, I thank you that you are a good God full of mercy and grace. God, I thank you for the beautiful, amazing country that we live in. Thank you for Fourth of July weekend. Uh, thank you that we all kind of escaped the storm of (laughs) July 4th. Uh, And Lord, I thank you, God, that you are alive and well. Lord, that you're living in the inside of us and that you love us with an unending and unconditional love. We love you in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. 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 All right, 25 minutes. Here we go. Can I make it, Ben? I hope so. Let's dive in this morning. It says, uh, verse 4, we're just going to unpack this a little bit. It says, so Samuel did as the Lord instructed. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town came trembling to meet him. What's wrong, they asked. Do you come in peace? So Samuel shows up. Everybody gets nervous, right? It's like whenever I show up at like a My City event and all of a sudden the teenagers are like, shh, 
pastor's here. Pastor's here, pastor's here. We weren't doing anything wrong. <laughs> right? <laughs> you ever, okay, so sometimes, not sometimes, all the time, whenever I'm driving, um, I tend to like get loose with the, with the law. <laughs> turn signals. If someone's behind me, you know, I'll hit the turn signal, but otherwise. So, like, literally, like, you know, my, my daughters are, like, picking up on some of this stuff. And, you know, Hannah will be like, Daddy, aren't you supposed to use that blinker thing? I'm like, ah. But it's interesting because I'm actually, I'm actually, well, I'm a good driver per Utah standard, okay? <laughs> so we all know what that means. I'm a terrible driver. But um, I am cautiously, aggressively in control. Um, but uh, it's interesting because I often find a, myself with a cop car behind me. And in this moment, when the cop car is behind me, I probably do exactly the same thing that you all do, and that is you kind of freak out, right? You see your heart starts to beat a little bit. Your hands start to get really, you know, like balmy. You're, you're, you're on 10 and 2. You turn the music down. You're like, was I speeding? What was I doing? You're, like, you're kind of freaking out, and the cop is, like, starting to tail you now, and you're like, oh, no, he's for sure going to pull me over. Oh, my gosh. And then you realize you're actually now going 10 miles an hour under the speed limit in the fast lane, and he's just very frustrated. And so he gets around you and gives you the look like, you idiot, drive. <laughs> right? Maybe that's just me. I don't know. But it happens all the time. You know, I'm just driving down the road. Bennett, Bennett, Bennett and the jet. You know, and then boom, like. <laughs> no? Got my hands up, singing my song, right? <laughs> You're just in your own world, and then boom, cop. You're like, oh no. Right? This is, this, is like, this is the picture of what's happened here. They're all just hanging out in Bethlehem, doing their thing, and then the man of God shows up. And they're like, oh, no! Did, did you come in peace? Is everything okay? What did I do? Ten and two. Did I, did I oh, man, I don't know if I washed my hands right. If, did I, did I met, like, they're starting to evaluate themselves, trying to see, am I, am I in right standing with God? And I think that oftentimes, like, how many of you know, like, some of you, you like, you're taking communion, and you're like, oh, man, I, I better get right before God right now because I'm about to take communion. Like, I don't know if I should, I don't know what I should do, but I don't want the, right? And so I think oftentimes this is what religion will do, though, because mis because religion, what it does is it misrepresents God's heart. Religion will tell you that God is this grumpy dictator up in the sky waiting for you to change lanes without a blinker so he can smite you and send you back to the pit of hell. But that is not our God. Religion would tell you that so that you're all nervously, like, oh, I'm just trying to make this, just, this, I can't, oh, 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 don't fall. Oh, man, I almost told a lie right there, but don't worry. I followed up with, that wasn't true, so I'm good. <laughs> oh, man, I, I don't know if I can pray. Could, Pastor, could you pray for me? Sure, I can pray for you. What you really mean is, I don't think God's going to hear my prayer because I don't know if I've been living right, and so I need you to pray for me. Can I tell you something? That is religion. Yeah. It's not the gospel. That's, re that's religion. Religion misrepresents the heart of God. All right, let's keep going, shall we? Hmm. If I can just tell you something, God loves you. The wrath of God was satisfied at the cross. If you are in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation for you. He, he, the Passover was a, was a picture, was a foreshadowing of when the wrath, when the death angel came and it passed over those who had the blood over their doorstep. This is when you accept Christ as your Lord and your Savior, you are now in Christ. You are paid, your sin is paid in full, in cash. It's paid. It is paid if you're in Christ. Just throw that out there. If you're in Christ, we'll keep going. Verse 5, it says, yes, 
Samuel replied, I have come to sacrifice the Lord. Purify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then Samuel performed the purification rite for Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice too. Now, back in, back in this time, this, you know, purification ceremony, these, these rituals, these traditions were incredibly important. This was, this was a way that, that God had kind of identified and separated his people from the rest of the world. This is, this is before Jesus. This is, this is before all of that. And so there was, things, there was things that had to be done a certain way. Let me just tell you something. Rituals and, and systems and traditions are not bad. You understand? They're not bad. A lot of, you know, a lot of people, especially in the non-denominational Christian churches, are like, we're free from those ritualistic mumbo-jumbo. We don't have to kneel down and stand up and kneel down and stand up like the Catholics. We're better than y'all, y'all. Hello, that is the religious spirit right up in your face, by the way. Listen, traditions and rituals, those things by themselves are not wrong, okay? Let me, let me kind of explain myself a little bit. See, I have some, some rituals that I, that I abide in, but don't I, honey? I'm pretty, like, systematic, right? So every single morning... What do I do? I get up. I try to get up at 5. I've been kind of slacking a little bit, but I get up before, you know, 7 for sure. It's been a tough this summer, but, but I get up. I get up every morning, and the very first thing that I do before I do anything else is I open up the cupboard, and I get coffee. And I get some coffee going, because otherwise I won't be able to stay awake for my Bible reading, okay? And so I get some coffee going, and then I do. I get into God's Word every single morning, first thing that I do. And guess what? Here's the thing. If I open up my Bible app, it will tell me that I have, have a, my streak is 336 days long. Come on, somebody. But here's the thing. <laughs> See, reading God's word is good because when we're reading God's word, we're hearing from God. And so when I wake up and I open up God's word so that I can hear from God, I'm in good shape. But when I open up God's word so that I can make sure my streak doesn't get broken, I'm in religion. And I will tell you, after, after the 336 days that I've opened up his word every single time, there have been a handful of those days where I opened it up and I went, well, I'll come back to this later. At least I opened it up. Check the box. That is the religious trap, my friends. It is sneaky. It is conniving. And if you are not looking for it, it will get you and trap you. And next thing you know, you'll just be going through the motions just like they were in Israel. See, church can easily lose its effectiveness when we begin to fall into the religious trap of the monotony and just going through the motions, right? Where we just show up to church and we just go to the place and we sing the song and we raise the hand and, you know, we, we read the book, we listen to the message, we go to the place, we do the thing, and then we go home and we live our life. That is not what this is supposed to be. That's religion. There's nothing fresh, real, or powerful about that life, my friend. That is hollow, dead religion, and it, will, and it can ha sneak into even this house if we're not looking for it. That's why we did the religion rehab series, because we've got to look and we've got to ask ourselves, We've got to evaluate ourselves. Is my prayer life, has my, has my life in Christ become a ritualistic, dead, monotonous behavior of checklist that I just am going through? Every now and then, you just got to shake it up, right? You just got to shake it up, right? You just got to do something different. I'll tell you what. Last year, I was definitely in this spot. Church had become, I was, <laughs> I'm on staff, I'm a pastor. How many of you know sometimes that's a dangerous place to be? This whole thing just began to be going through the motions, doing the thing, hitting the list, hitting the checkbox, make sure that I'm, you know, checking in every now and then. I found myself working for God rather than working with him. 
becomes dry, becomes empty, it's religious. It is religious. It's the religious trap. It's the religious trap. So the thing about rituals and traditions that's scary is that they often come across as godliness. How many of you ever tried to go to Staples and and tried to find Staples? (laughs) That's not an easy, it's called Staples! You're, you're looking, you're like finding paper, you're finding electronics, you're finding everything. You're like, excuse me, where are the staples at? I just, I'm here for some staples. Like, they're hard to find. I think sometimes in the life of a Christian, it can become hard to find Christ because we've gotten so caught up in the, ritu- in the rituals and their traditions. You see, here's the thing. Reading God's word is good. See, it, because it prepares me to hear from God. It prepares me to hear from God. Where I get into, uh, where, where I get into uh, the trap is when I, when I substitute hearing from God to do the tradition. When really I am not even looking to hear from God, I'm simply just trying to fulfill an obligation. It's hollow, it's dead, it's going through the motions, and I'm telling you what, I don't want to go to that church. I don't want to be that kind of Christian. You see, Jesus is not looking at how many times you open up the Bible app. He's he's looking to see how many times we open up our heart to him. It's not about just coming to church and going through the motions. It's about putting yourself before the almighty God and opening your heart up to him and say, change me, make me new, transform me into a new person. That's what the gospel is. That's what this church thing is all about. That's what this thing is supposed to be. Is we don't use our traditions and, and, our, and, our, and our habits and our disciplines to get to God, to make him approve of us. They are tools for him to get to us. They are not, it's, it, it's, it's the vehicle that we use to get ourselves there so we can open ourselves up and hear from him. Let's keep going. Verse 6. When they arrived, Samuel took one look at, I keep on saying his name wrong. I listened to it like eight times on the pronunciation thing, and I can't remember. <laughs> Elab, and thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed. But the Lord said, Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or his height. For I have rejected him. For the Lord doesn't see things the way that you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Elab looked the part, didn't he? He even had the right name. His name means my fa- my God is my father. He was the oldest. He was, he was the guy, man. Anyone would have been in that room and gone, oh, surely he's the one, no doubt right? He looked the part. When you saw him, he, his, his outer appearance had, it, that, that's what, that, it looked like that was him. But God says, no, 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 I've rejected him. See, I look at your heart. Essentially what he's saying is, I don't care what you look like. I don't care how you, how, the, the facade that you've created. I look through that. I see your heart. But religion will tell you that it all, that, that it's just, you just have to look the part. Fake it till you make it, they say. If you just look the part, then everyone, you're going to be fine. You're going to fit in. You're going to be able to be part of the club. You know, you'll be able to be, you know, have some friends. This will be a spot where you can meet people. You'll just fit in. And, and, but don't tell anybody that you're not perfect. Don't tell anybody that you're struggling. Don't tell anybody that you have any issues. Just pretend like you know, you know, just, you just go to the place and you sing the song and you read the book and you raise the hand and you learn, oh, I know when to lean in. I know when to say, preach it. I know when to say, hallelujah. I know, when, I know how, the, how the system goes. And you, and you come in, because why? Because you're just focused on the outward appearance. Why? Well, because that's all we can see. Right? It's all we can see. I think that there are a lot of broken, hurting Christians who are hiding behind the facade of religion. Hiding behind the facade of religion. And let me just tell you guys, Jesus is sick of it. It's a trap of religion, and he's got, it's got his people stuck and unable to press in, unable to hear his voice, unable to, 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 to grow in their faith, and we do it all. I mean, gosh, 
I'm going to step on some toes this morning, and I hope you know this isn't personal. Rolling to church, Chris Tomlin, just blasting through your speakers. <laughs> Carrie Job, <laughs> right? Jeremy Camp. <laughs> right? When I was a, when I was a teenager, rolling up to youth group, it'd be like, "What do people think when they?" You know what I'm saying? <laughs> And it was in my bedroom that I put on, what if I stumble, what if I fall, right? <laughs> I wouldn't let other people hear me sing that song, but I was when by, by myself. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> I come to church. We got our Jesus shirts on. <laughs> How you doing? Oh, hey, brother, I'm highly favored. I'm doing so good. Oh, I'm so, I'm so good. <laughs> Are you sure? Because you look like you just got hit by a car. Oh, no, I'm so good. Life is perfect. I got no problems. I got my Jesus shirt on. <laughs> Hello? I'm good. I was listening to Chris Tomlin on the way here. I'm good. Right? I am set. Oh, God is good. All the time, all the time, God is good. <laughs> Got my Christian fish sticker on my car. <laughs> Look at how many highlights I have in my Bible. I just got this like a month ago. <laughs> Obviously, I spent lots of time in it. <sighs> I was in the secret place last night. <sighs> I just felt like God spoke to me and told me that you need to get your life right. <laughs> we know the drill can I tell you something it doesn't matter doesn't matter if you know the right words to say doesn't matter if you've memorized the words doesn't matter it doesn't matter God sees right through it he's interested in our heart Religion says, as long as I look the part, I'm good. But God says, I don't give a flying rip how you look. I am interested in your heart, who you really are. That's all that I care about. There are people even in this room, you are hurting and you are broken and you need healing and you need deliverance and you need to be set free. But you will not ever have it because you're pretending like you don't need it. It's interesting when you read the Gospels, you see Jesus, he's so kind, isn't he? So loving, he's so kind. But it's interesting to me that he was actually super mean to the religious leaders. He was not, he was pissed. He was pissed. It was with the religious leaders that he talked sharply. It was with the religious leaders that he even said words that were like, people were like, oh my gosh, he just called them a brood of vipers. Did you hear that? He calls himself a rabbi. Because <laughs> he was like, I'm done with your bull crap. I see your heart. I see straight through your religious crap. I'm not interested in your ceremonies. I'm not interested in your washing of your hands because your heart is evil and wicked. And until you give me your heart, I want nothing to do with you. Some people like that. Anyways, let's keep going. He's just sick of religion, guys. He's sick of it. And, and, and here's what you need to understand. He's sick of religion in my life. I would love to tell you that oh, I'm, I've obviously got this figured out. <laughs> That's why I'm preaching to you about it. <laughs> Let me just tell you, church, this is a battle. This is a struggle. Often I find myself in this spot where I'm just like, oh, I'm looking good. I'm good. And I know deep down, I'm like, oh, man, I'm broken. Oh, man, I, I, I got stuff that I need to get 
I, my, I got stuff that we're not perfect. All right, I got five minutes. I got to hustle. All right. <clears throat> Verse 11, then Samuel asked, are these all the sons you have? They're still the youngest, Jesse replied. But he's out in the fields watching the sheep and the goats. Send for him at once, Samuel said. We will not sit down and eat until he arrives. So Jesse sent for him. He was dark and handsome and with beautiful eyes. And the Lord said, this is the one. Anoint him. It's interesting. Why wasn't David invited to the party? Like, he was one of the sons, right? There was eight sons, not seven, right? A lot of, a lot of people, and you've probably heard before, a lot of people believe that maybe David was the product of an affair, and maybe he was, or maybe he wasn't. I don't know for sure, but I think that it was maybe suspected that he was, for sure. And, and so when, when the prophet shows up, when Samuel shows up on the scene and he says, go get your sons, Jesse does what so many of us do, doesn't he? He hides the thing that he's ashamed of. He hides the thing that he's not super proud of. He hides, and he puts his best foot forward. Mmm, go ahead, son. The man of God will love you. <laughs> you got your Team Jesus shirt on. You're set. <laughs> You're good to go. Go ahead. <sighs> he's just going to stand there like a proud dad. <laughs> this is clearly the Lord's anointed. <laughs> And then God's like, no, I've rejected him. He's like, what? Uh, wait, what about, what about Abinadab? Oh, yeah, Abinadab. Oh. <laughs> and God's like, no, 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 he's been bad. That's a stupid joke. It's <laughs> a stupid joke. That's a dad joke. It's not a good one. Okay. <laughs> what about Shimna? Bring, bring, oh, sure, certainly, certainly he's going to be, right? And, and, and no, that's, that's, that's not the one. One after another, after another, after another. It's not the one, it's not the one, it's not the one. See, Jesse tried to put his best foot forward. But isn't it interesting that the very thing that Jesse was trying to hide was, in fact, the very thing that God had anointed? The thing that is in your life that you don't want people to see just might be the thing that he's actually trying to uncover so that you can step into your purpose, so you can step into all that God has for you. Quit hiding who you really are. Give it all to God and let him use you. It, you, that is why when you read the gospel of, when you read Matthew and he goes through the lineage, you see the skeletons in the closet of our Lord and Savior. The lineage that he comes from is full of brokenness and hurt and dysfunction. Why? Because our God redeems things that are broken and dysfunctional. That's who he is. He's not afraid of it. He welcomes it. He has anointed the very thing that you're hiding in the shadows. So quit hiding it. Mm. So, 4th of July, uh, it was fun. It was a fun day, was it not? Yeah. yeah. We went to the parade in Park City. I got one minute. I'm hurrying. Band can come up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> went to Park City, parade. It was great. Super fun. I didn't know they, get, this was my first parade, by the way. Never been to a parade before, right? I didn't know they give you stuff. I'm going to parades all the time. Free, free gear? Are you kidding me? They gave out, like, the Olympic team came through, and they got these little pins, and my daughter's like, no, it's not candy. I'm like, no, go get the pin. I want that. Go get it. <laughs> Went to the parade. It was fun. Came home and chilled out. Went over to my dad's. Had a great barbecue. Had a hurricane. It was fun. You know, since we've had kids, I don't think we've ever seen fireworks uh, because we got to put them to bed. We try. We're like, you know what? This year, we're just gonna we're just gonna keep them up. Like, who cares, right? No, they were melting down. It was like they wanted to go to bed. So we come home, but before we came home, Beck and I got a little bit of a tiff. <clears throat> I dare do a giant jerk. She was kind of jerkish first. <laughs> <laughs> I 
But here's my point. <laughs> On Thursday, we put the kids to bed, and then I went to bed at like 9.30 because I was pissed at her, and I'm pouting, and I was kind of tired. I went to bed. I hear the fireworks going off. She's outside. I'm like, man, screw you. Religion would tell me to hide that. Religion would tell me, don't let anyone know. No one's going to come to you. No one's going to listen to you if they think that you're just as messed up as, as they are. Let me tell you something. Someone comes up to me and says, hey, Vince, I want to know, do you have any, any moral failures that we should know about? I heard this on a podcast and I'm stealing it. You know what I would tell them? I am a moral failure. I am a moral failure. I mess up every single day. Every day. That's why God gave me a wife and kids. Not to make me better, although I think that's part of it, but just to show me how bad I am. I thought I was pretty good until I had a wife and kids. I'm like, oh, snap. <laughs> I mess up every day. But here's the thing. When I give that to God, when I admit that, when I quit hiding that, that's when God will use me. You see, David wasn't perfect. David wasn't perfect. It's easy. We look at David like, oh, yeah, he's a man after God's own heart. He, he killed Goliath. Yeah, he, he's awesome, you know. But here's the thing. Many of you know David would go on to commit adultery. And then murder to cover it up. This is the one you anointed? I think you made a mistake. I didn't hear anything about Shibna messing up like that. I didn't hear anything about Abinadab. He seems to have been just fine. David wasn't perfect. So why was it David that got anointed? Why was it David that was called? I'll tell you why. Because David was real. David was real. See, David wasn't invited to the party. He wasn't invited to the purification ritual. See, listen to this. As David stood there among, verse 13, so David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil that he had brought and anointed David with, a, with oil. And the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. Then Samuel returned to Rimmah. Church, David didn't go through the purification ritual, did he? All of his brothers, they got cleaned up. They got the robes on. They washed their hands. They went through the process. But David comes straight off of the field. He's got horsemen. He's got, not horse. He's got, he's got sheep crap. He smells of B.O. He's been on the field. He's dirty. He's gross. He goes straight in and talks with the man of God. And he anoints him with oil. And the presence of God hits him. And it doesn't leave him from then on. Whoa, wait a minute, but he didn't, you know, he didn't go through the class. So I don't know how he could. He, he didn't, I, I'm, I'm not sure he had the whole Torah memorized. I mean, I don't know how he could have. But he doesn't, I mean, I, I don't know how God could use you. You didn't go to Bible school. Guys. David get favor with God? How? What was it about David? It wasn't what he looked like. Although it says he was quite handsome. I think it was probably because he was kind of feminine looking, just the way that I read that. <laughs> Pretty eyes and such. He was a heart player. I'm just saying. It wasn't because of what he looked like. It wasn't because of what he did or didn't do. It wasn't because he measured up. It wasn't because he looked the part. 
special. It was what David was doing when no one was looking. See, religion says as long as no one sees, as long as, as, long as the only thing that people see is, is this model of perfection, you're good. But God says, no, no, no. It's your heart. It's what nobody sees. That's what I'm interested in. You see, nobody saw David out in the field when the bear came and the lion came. Can I just tell you, David's a kid. Now, maybe he's like Diego's age, maybe. And maybe he's strong like Diego. He probably looked like, I think you, but you, you're like David. But as, as tough as Diego is, now I got some man strength on Diego, but I would not fight him. I'm pretty sure he'd take me out. But I'm pretty sure that if you got in a fight with a lion, you're not going to win. If you got in a fight with a bear, you're toast. The chapter later, when David's about to take out Goliath, he says, oh, no, I'm not even worried about this guy because, see, when I was out in the field and there was a bear and there was a lion, what did he do? He cried out, God, help me! And God showed up and gave him strength to defeat the bear and strength to defeat the lion, and then he later gave him strength to defeat Goliath. It was because he realized it couldn't, he couldn't do it on his own efforts. He couldn't kill Goliath by himself. He couldn't kill that bear, that lion by himself. He did it by the supernatural strength of the almighty God who holds the universe in his hands. And so David humbled himself before the almighty God and said, I need you. Help! And God said, that's somebody I can work with. That's somebody that I will use. Somebody who needs my help because when they are weak, I am strong. I need somebody who will admit that they're not perfect. I need somebody. And in that moment, the faith that David had, what he did is he actually, his faith transported him into a time that had not yet happened. It transported him into a salvation moment that happened on the cross thousands of years later when the veil was torn and, open, and heaven opened up and for the first time God and his people were restored and in that moment everything changed and back here on the field when David was afraid and he was out of his depth and couldn't do it and he cried out to God and stepped out in faith his faith transported him to an atonement that had not yet happened and he was able to have an, he was able to align himself with God and have a relationship with God that wasn't yet available it was by faith it was because of David's faith. I'm going to close with this. Ephesians 2.8. You don't have it. I didn't give it to you. I'm sorry. It's by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not on your own doing. It is a gift of God. Not a result of works so that any man can boast. That's the gospel. Religion will not save you. You won't find it in Scripture. It was by their great religion that God smiled upon the people and gave them favor in the land. It's not in there. It is by faith. It is by grace through faith. You see, in real estate, they have this term, called I'm blanking on it <laughs> hold on a second it's because I have the four minute clock ticking on me ARV after rehab value the thing about ARV is you don't see it so if you're going to buy a house based on ARV that's kind of scary. Because you're buying a house based on what you think it's going to appraise for. Check it out. When Jesus died on the cross for your sin, he paid in full for who you are, for how good you are, for what your current value is. No, no, no. Your rehab value. 
your rehab value. He sees you as good as you'll ever be when you're in heaven. See, this is the beautiful thing about God. He doesn't think in, in or exist in a sequential timeline. He doesn't operate that. He's above and outside of time. And so for him, for all eternity, he sees the beginning and the end. And so just as David is sitting on the field, God tending the sheep, God already saw him in the future. For you, he saw you. So when, you, when he called you back here, he knew that you were going to do X, Y, and Z. He knew it. But he also knew that he saw from the complete view. He Listen to me, church. God sees you completely and he loves you completely. And your value is based on the after rehab version of you. I have to close. Guys, religion is a trap. Religion will get you to go through the motions, to go through the process, to substitute a relationship with God for an appearance of godliness. Religion is dead, hollow, and empty. It is by grace through faith we are saved. See, this is the beautiful thing. This is why it's so important for us to understand this. I know myself. I know myself. And because I know myself, it's often hard for me to go to God because I know how holy and righteous and perfect God is. So sometimes I allow myself, the fact that I know myself, to hinder me from accessing God. Because I know that I'm messed up. I know it. But guess what? God is like, this whole thing is like, God's like, yeah, I know too. <laughs> I'm not worried about it. That's why I paid in full. I see you completely. I know you completely. And because of that, I can get over the hurdle of myself and step into who God says that I am. And it's only in that moment that I can then live out the life that God has called me to live. Many of you have not been able to step out into your full potential as a, as a son or daughter of God because you're still treating yourself like this redheaded stepchild. You're in the family. You're in the kingdom. He loves you. He forgives you. He knows you. So drop the act. Drop the act. Take the mask off. It's okay. Here's the thing, church. I can't promise you that other people in the faith won't judge you. I can't promise you that. I can't promise you that people aren't going to look at you badly. That people are. I can't promise you that. But I do promise you that the only person who actually matters, God himself, he knows and he loves you. He knows and he loves you. So this morning, if you're here, you've never experienced Jesus the way that I'm talking about. I'm not asking if you've been to church. I'm not asking if you've come here. I'm not asking. I'm, I'm, I'm not interested in that. I'm not Listen to me. If you identify yourself with a religion rather than identifying yourself as a son or a daughter of the most high king of kings, then I'm talking to you. This is not about religion. This is about getting right with Jesus Christ, the living God. It's not about you. It's not about you. Religion will tell you it's all about you. Jesus is like, no, 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 it's about me. It's about me. I love you because of me. God is love, therefore he loves us. God's not like, oh, Maddie, you did good. I'll share some love with you. No. He's like, Maddie, I love you, I love you, I love you. And you're like, finally, you get to step over. Oh, he loves me even. Listen, he loves you, not because of you, but in spite of you. This morning, don't leave this place without knowing, without knowing your Savior. 
Jesus did not come to start a religion. He came to start a new race of people. A new race of people. A people that had his DNA. He shed his blood to break down the religion, to break it down, to break it down, to break it down. We keep on trying to build it back up. He's like, no, 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 break it down, break it down. We build it up. He's like, no, break it down, break it down. I came to break it down. Jesus came to break down the religion because all religion does is create separation between you and God because all it does is focus on you and your effort and what you did or didn't do. That's not the point. The point is Jesus. The point is Jesus. So this morning, without going any further, if you need to know Jesus that way, you need to accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. On the count of three, I just want to put your—I just want you to put your hands up all across this room. Ready? One, two, three. Put your hand up. Boom. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I see your hand in the back. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Awesome. Is there anybody else? There's one more moment. I'm not asking you. This isn't about church. This isn't about church. This is about a relationship with Jesus Christ. Anybody else? Wait just another second. Praise God. Praise God. Everybody pray this with me. Say, Jesus, thank you for dying for my sin, for washing me clean. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you, Jesus. I want to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Can we give God a hand? Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, team, and what we do at C3 Salt Lake City, go to c3saltlakecity.com.